This episode of the Commerce Marketer Podcast is brought to you by Bronto Software, the leading email provider to the global internet retailer 1000. For more ideas on how to improve your marketing automation and to take your email to the next level, visit www.bronto.com resources. What's your Amazon strategy? Whether you're currently selling Amazon, are planning to, or are unsure if you should, it's a foundational question that could have long-ranging ripple effects on driving business growth. And it doesn't really matter if you're B2C or B2B company. Amazon can be a powerful friend, foe, or even frenemy. Welcome to the Commerce Marketer Podcast. I'm your host, Greg Zachquist. In today's episode of the podcast, I'm joined by B2B and B2C e-commerce strategist, advisor, and author, Brian Beck, to talk about how companies can create a successful Amazon strategy that helps them not only compete on, but even against Amazon and win. If that doesn't excite you enough, be sure to stay tuned to find out Brian's favorite restaurant in Los Angeles. Welcome back to the show, Brian Beck. Brian, thanks for being here. Hey, Greg, how you doing? So, Brian, you're one of the returning guests on the podcast here. You're actually our very first guest, so episode number one. And now you're almost 50. I I think you're going to be just short of episode 50 here uh, by the time it's all said and done. But welcome back. It's been a a good ride. Yeah, and I'm almost 50 years old, too. So they're they're double whammy. And it's it's shocking, Greg. People uh, listen past uh, number one, so I, I guess I guess uh, we had a good conversation. <laughs> people were in. well. I don't know if they listen to past number one, but we're still doing that. So <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, this is great. I'm glad to be back, and uh, it's really great to see this uh, podcast, you know, continue to grow. And it's um, and in some of the data you were sharing before our our, our cast here was uh, it was really great, and so really excited to see the reach grow, and um, and I'm happy to be here. So thanks for the invite. Glad to have you back. And by the way, you don't look a day over 30, so you're in good shape. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> so, Brian, before we get into Amazon strategies today, let's first, uh, for those that don't know, let's introduce you to the audience. So you're I, I mentioned you're involved in a lot of things right now. So why don't you quickly tell the audience kind of about what you're primarily involved with nowadays and uh, how you help companies? Yeah, no no worries, Greg. I can certainly do that. So I act as a advisor and strategist around e-commerce and Amazon strategy for for brands, for manufacturers, for retailers and distributors, really companies that are looking to take advantage of e-commerce for their business. A lot of my focus these days is on B2B e-commerce, which is what my book is all about, Billion Dollar B2B e-commerce. And by the way, that's the also the website, put a .com at the end. (laughs) And then I also work on, um, I also have an Amazon consulting firm I'm a partner in. It's called Enceiba, E-N-C-E-I-B-A. Also put a .com at the end. And uh, you can find out more about that. And, and what we do there is run Amazon programs, um, principally for brands and manufacturers. And then I also continue to be involved with Guidance as a as a consultant advisor, which is a systems integration firm. So I kind of have my hands in a few things, but ultimately, um, super excited about you know what's what's available to folks in this market, uh, and you know understanding all these changes that are happening and largely being driven by Amazon. And then how how they can take advantage of those changes for their business? Yeah, that's uh, that's certainly very cool, and you, get, you obviously have your hands full there. Uh, for anyone listening, obviously, if you go to the podcast episode description, we'll have those web addresses on there as well, so you can easily click and and jot those down. So no need to uh, rewind for you. So Brian, we'll get into some of these topics today, but let's start from a very high level and just kind of work our way down. We know that Amazon makes up, I think, by the end of this year, they're predicting around forty seven percent of total e commerce. Uh, we're getting closer to that 50 every single year. Uh, but many companies, you know, B2B, direct-to-consumer, whatever they might be, their manufacturers, 
many of them still struggle with creating or executing an effective Amazon strategy. And I think that's probably just an indication of kind of how quickly things change and how much Amazon's actually involved. Like I mentioned, you could be a foot war in front of me there. So let's start with the very basics here. Why is having an Amazon strategy, one, so important? And then kind of on the backside of that, which you'll probably get into your answer anyways, but what are some of those key foundational components a company needs for a successful strategy? And then we'll get into what some of those things are in more detail. Yeah, no, great questions, Greg. I mean, I mean, you said it. First and foremost, Amazon is, you know, in the world of e-commerce, almost half of all U.S. e-commerce and is also growing very quickly overseas and in other markets, you know, Canada, EU, Japan, Mexico, all over the world. And so first and foremost, if you think about e-commerce and, you know, it being a, uh, a growth channel for many businesses, um, just as a transactional channel, it is critical that companies understand what Amazon's doing because number one, they're setting the expectation of your buyer. So uh, what, you know, what it means to have a, a good e-commerce experience and so, so first and foremost, you've got expectation setting, you know, there that has implications for you. And then secondly, obviously, from a transactional perspective, if you're selling products, um, you know, it, it's a, it's a massive place where people are buying products and you're either competing with or selling on or both <laughs> on the channel. The other thing that's really uh, uh, dramatically changed in the last five years is really the search volumes and where they're happening. So if you think about, you know, five years ago, if you were searching for a product, you might go to your favorite retail site, you might go to Google. Today, you're going to Amazon in 60%, actually the most recent statistic I saw just earlier this week was 65% of searches are starting on Amazon for product. And Google's number is down to somewhere between 15 and 25%, depending on what you read. So what does that mean for you? It means that you are, uh, if you're not on Amazon, you're risking relevancy, frankly, if you're selling your product, if you're not selling your product there. Um, and then two, you know, Amazon has become a place where people research product that they buy in other channels. So if you're a retailer or uh, you have store locations or if you have distribution points, if you're not uh, displaying your product there, you're not in the, you're not in the conversation. Now, there's not a, you know, not a clear answer. It's not a clear answer or endorsement for necessarily selling on Amazon. I think that really depends on what business you're in, and we can talk more about that. So, I mean, I think that the compel the case is there for having an Amazon strategy. You must have an Amazon strategy if you sell product. Now, what that strategy is is the uh, important question, and uh, that's that's a lot of what I help companies figure out. So uh, let's piggyback off that the search you mentioned, how that kind of plays in those strategy here and, and try to provide some guidance. So there's a lot of factors that go into that. You said, even if they're not buying on Amazon, it's still a search factor, whether it's the first factor or just during the uh, investigation or exploration period. This really begs the question, both for B2B and, and direct-to-consumer manufacturers is one, how do we determine whether we should one, be selling on Amazon and kind of uh, following that customer journey. So do I actually need to get on there or do I just kind of bank it? We saw big brands at least fight the urge for a long time and then Nike finally jumped on there. So, you know, what kind of factors go into considering whether we should be selling an Amazon? And then kind of on the flip side to that is, do we list every product there or do we just put a few products there, a select SKU set yeah, just to, to have some sort of presence on Amazon and then drive them off site, you know, what, what kind of factors do we need to look at to decide whether we 
we limit our skew set or we kind of blow it all out there? No, good, good questions. And, you know, I think the first, you know, your first question, Greg, should you sell on Amazon? I like to think about it like this. What are you seller, whatever you are, retailer, brand, whatever, what are you best in the world at? Why do your customers buy from you? And what differentiates you in the marketplace? So the answer to that question is product, differentiated product. You know, your product stands on its own. I've got the, you know, this, whatever it is, this phone in my hand or this computer I'm working on or, you know, this pair of jeans I'm wearing or this, you know, whatever the product is, if I as a buyer, business or consumer, understand that that product uh, is from you as a brand and uh, that, by the way, is can be retailers and distributors too who make product or private label. That is an argument to be listing your product on Amazon because ultimately Amazon is a selling channel. It's about transactional selection and transaction volume and it's about ease of use and convenience for the buyer. And as a product seller, if you're best in the world at product, then frankly, you know, it's it's just a shift of channel for you. And there's some nuance to that, right? Because Amazon has 400 private label products. So that's another thing we can chat about. But that said, more than half of, of Amazon sales are marketplace sales. They don't own the product. It's not their own private label. It's a very significant and uh, portion and growing portion of Amazon's business. And so if you're best in the world at product, I do believe that you ought to be selling there. Now, if you're not best in the world at product and you differentiate on other basis, that then it becomes an issue of how do I take advantage of this of the search volume while also protecting my my flanks and you know if you're competing for example on price and selection and then it's a, then your strategy becomes okay think the second part of your question Greg it was you know can I offer some of my product there maybe my private label portion of my assortment where can I be competitive where can I get exclusives from my suppliers for Amazon, which is a strategy, and then show up in the search there, but also make sure that I'm learning from Amazon and differentiating based on what I am best in the world at. That could be an experience. It could be connection. It could be an emotional connection or with the customer or content or you know things that are, things that are outside of Amazon's realm, which, uh, you know, again, understand what Amazon is best at. And it's, you know, it's transaction convenience, saving time, an enormous selection, 600 million almost products on that site. <laughs> think about that. So anyway, I, you know, I think the, the question really comes down to that, you know, that foundational question. And, and a lot of businesses don't answer that very well, in my experience, to be honest. I mean, he asked the question to the, the CEO and, you know, it's, well, we do this and we do that. But what are you really best in the world at? You know, so I think you have to start there. So how does a company kind of figure that out? You know, you mentioned, make sure you're always learning from Amazon, but when you pose that question, the CEOs or whoever you might be uh, advising there, and they don't really have an answer, how do you guide them into kind of developing that answer? I mean, is it something where they just haven't really thought about it, like you're too far in the forest to see the trees, or are there some things you can advise them to do to start to formulate that a little bit? Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah, no doubt. And I think one of the key learnings we can take from Amazon as, as sellers of product, uh, retailers, manufacturers, whatever we are. And, and that is putting the customer first. So at Amazon, the customer is the arbiter of decisions. They really live that. It's incredible. I'm a student of Amazon. I've read most of the books on Amazon. I've, you know, I've talked to a lot of people at Amazon. I have ongoing relationships with people there. And 
You know, they really start with the customer. It sounds crazy, and a lot of companies say they do, but they really do. And so I think as you know, if you're a product seller, I think what you ought to be doing is making sure you know why your customer buys from you. How do you do that? Well, you got to talk to them. <laughs> what do they? What do they really? And 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 not just in one way. Uh, talk to them through a variety of ways. Things like surveys, focus groups, picking up the phone and talking to them, meeting with them, customer panels, also data. So if you have a website, how are they interacting with your website? What are they voting for through their actions on the website? You need multiple points of data. You've got to be good at understanding your customer and what really differentiates you. Often companies will have a notion of that and it'll be an internal notion that is not accurate. And, you know, there's, there's, <laughs> you know, they'll, they'll have uh, ideas around, you know, why someone's buying from you based on, say, a, a long-term relationship. And that's fine. You know, if, I, I see this all the time in B2B where a distributor, you know, has long-term relationships with their customers. And then some of those customer relationships, those people retire and, you know, a 30-something comes in and into the new role and that 30-something doesn't care about the relationship. They care about buying digitally and they start looking for other suppliers and they go to Amazon and they go to their, you know, Google and other places and start searching for other suppliers because the relationship is less important to them. It's more about making their job easier and efficient and they're digitally native. And so that's a common misconception in B2B that that, not that relationships don't matter, okay, people buy from people, that's very true, but but they become, I believe, less important than they used to be, particularly as uh, people become more digitally centered in, in everything they do. It does. And, you know, I, I just read a thing last week about, you know, where you talk about millennials, about being digitally native, and but they're making business purchase decisions now. And I think it was like 30 or 40% of millennials in the office environment are in charge of these new purchasing decisions. Right. But the article I read, I don't know, it might have been this week, actually, but it was about Amazon's B2B business and how it's growing and how they had these projections for, you know, a trillion or whatever it might have been in the next, you know, five years. I think if you're a direct to consumer, direct to consumer manufacturer or just a B2B space, there is more reason now than ever to be on marketplaces like Amazon for that reason, if nothing else. Yep. Absolutely, Greg. I mean, it's, yeah, I like to say, and no offense to the folks I know at Sears, but don't be Sears of B2B. <laughs> so, and then what I mean by that is, you know, look, Amazon is a disruptive juggernaut. You see what they, you know, they really have played a role. There's lots of factors, but they've played a role in the decline of department store and big box in this country and certainly B and C class malls. You know, there's there's significant decline in, in those categories. But hey, retail's still up, right? I mean, it's still growing. It's just shifting. And so Amazon business is doing the same thing to distribution, uh, that they've done in the uh, retail sector. And so Amazon Business is, you know, they announced late last year a $10 billion run rate, and uh, they're applying the same principles to the marketplace that they did in, in, in retail, although it's, they now understand that it's a different, it takes a different approach in B2B than it does in retail. And so if you're a seller, you know, how do you, how do you manage it? Well, I, I think it comes down to the same questions if you're a manufacturer, you know, you're, you, you need to, you, you ought to be, in my opinion, working with Amazon business uh, because they're going to do nothing but grow and continue to be a viable purchase channel. They're making the right kinds of investments. 
And if you're a distributor, you better know why companies are buying from you and, and really do those things to understand your customer. Uh, like I was talking about, e-commerce for these companies is no longer, you know, particularly distrib- distribution, frankly, for all of them. But e-commerce is no longer something that is optional. It is it has become an expectation, as you mentioned, any procurement, younger procurement professionals coming in. And they're going to Amazon. And, you know, Amazon's doing things right now. They, you know, they're, they've got tremendous volumes in categories like office supplies. They're making investments in food service. They're making investments in healthcare, um, in, in multiple categories, automotive, many others that have traditionally been dominated by, you know, mid-market and even large distributors like Granger, MSC, Fastenal, and other people like that. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's really incredible, Greg. I mean, what, what's, you know, what's happening there and I see them learning. I mean, that's the thing, that's the thing that's amazing about Amazon is they, it's easy not to be afraid to fail when you have the the size coffers they have, (laughs) right? But, (laughs) but I, but I will tell you that they live, they live it. I mean, they put the customer first, they live it, they try things and they fail with them. And do you remember Amazon supply? Did you ever remember that effort? Did you ever hear that? I did. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, they, they, they failed at that. That was a disaster. Well, maybe not a disaster, but it was not successful in the way that they defined it. And Amazon supply was their first attempt at B2B. And, you know, what did they do? They went back at it and they learned and they started hiring people out of industry. And I've got friends from like electrical distribution, for example, that they, they've hired. They're hiring people out of, you know, apparel, the apparel business that are B2B. They're hiring people out of medical and computing equipment. And one of the senior guys at Amazon business came from HP, ran HP enterprise and their e-commerce business. So it's, they didn't used to do that as much as they've done with Amazon Business. They they recognize that there is a real relationship aspect to B two B now that didn't uh, they didn't have with Amazon Supply. And now they, uh, they at least in any meaningful way, and now they do, and uh, they're succeeding. So uh, it's it's interesting. So when a company is looking at kind of baking out their Amazon strategy, whether it's coming up with a new strategy or tr- trying to just analyze theirs and maybe refine it and, and get better at it. Obviously, the decision to, hey, do we sell on Amazon or not is one of them. The other one is, what's our SKU set? How many are we putting out there? We know if we're selling on Amazon, we have smaller margins just because we've got to give a cut there. That's one thing. The other kind of factor with this is Amazon itself and saying, hey, they might be competing against us yeah. here. I mean, we saw just this week, I mean, it's not going to be this week when this this episode publishes, but, you know, they launched your own skincare line or, or, you know, beauty product line. And really, we just know Amazon is looking at the best selling things from all these different retailers being like, all right, these are the things that sell. Let's let's make them and, and private yeah, label them. Yep, yep. Which that should be a concern for retailers or, you know, whoever is selling on Amazon. It should be a concern with the overbaking and that overall strategy. So how does knowing that Amazon can be this frenemy in a sense, impact the seller's you know, strategy and formulate that? Are there nuances to it, whether you're B2B or B2C? Is it kind of one and the same? How does a retailer supposed to look at that and, and approach their strategy? Yeah, no, I mean, I, that's, I mean, that is a great question and it is one that is somewhat nuanced. So first and foremost, uh, I think about it almost, almost like this. You're not going to necessarily prevent Amazon from going into your business if there is a significant market size. Uh, and I give the example of this, right? So I used to run e-commerce at Harbor Freight Tools. Big retailer. I don't know. Today, they probably have 800 stores and 
billions in sales. And we decided, you know, seven or eight years ago when we were selling tools not to go into the business of selling on Amazon. And we decided that because we didn't want to teach Amazon our business. Okay. Guess what? Amazon's in in that business nowadays. (laughs) (laughs) Shocking. Yeah. Did our decision not to sell on Amazon prevent them? No. Now, I mean, maybe we slowed them down a bit. Maybe there's some aspects. I mean, Harbor Freight's a great business and there's, you know, a great retailer and there's lots of reasons to go to Harbor Freight and they will, I think, continue to thrive. That said, you know, as it relates to, you know, if you're a retailer, should you sell there and will they compete against you? So first and foremost, I mean, I don't want to be fatalistic about it, but Amazon for certain product categories um, is likely to go into, you know, some businesses. And yeah, I think it comes down to understanding what is your business? Where have they done this historically? Uh, how commoditized is your business or your products? Do you truly have a differentiation in your product or not? Uh, or is it all branding? I mean, I, I go back to brands are great, by the way, not knocking brands, but I go back to something that Bezos said, uh, I think 10 years ago, Jeff Bezos, the CEO of Amazon, which is the balance of power is shifting away from the marketer to the consumer. And the consumer now has has the power to really understand and transparently, you know, what, what products are all about, what, you know, uh, understand all kinds of different buying options as well as different product options. And so the, the idea is less now about, uh, and I agree with them, less now about mar- marketing your product and each screaming about it. It's more about what is the product doing that's, that's solving a problem for the consumer that's truly adding value to that consumer's life or business buyer's life. And so I think, you know, your decision also on whether, you know, uh, you ought to pursue Amazon full-heartedly and whether or not they're going to go into your business or not does come from the type of product you sell. And the answer does does vary. I don't think uh, Amazon will be in uh, the majority of product categories they sell. And, and I think as you go up the food chain in terms of product complexity, they're less likely. So if you're a medical equipment manufacturer, uh, I've got a client that makes gene sequencing equipment. Is Amazon going to make gene sequencing equipment? Very unlikely. Will they make batteries? Yeah, they're already doing it. Will they make luggage? Sure, they're doing that already. Are they going to make jeans? You know, they've got private label lines. Yeah, they're doing some of those things. So you got to think about it like, you know, I think centered on, again, what are you best in the world at? And are you? how do you differentiate? Why is your customer buying from you? And so those are, I think, some of the answers to that to that question, and I think it varies quite a bit based on who you are as a business. Is that the answer to how to compete with Amazon, is to know your audience, stick true to who you are, and figure out how to differentiate from, just say, your competitors, let's exclude Amazon, hone in on that business, and then let the rest sort itself out? Is that is that the, really the best way to compete with Amazon when they're selling a similar product line? Absolutely. You got to know why your customer is buying from you. I think, too, it's also important for the leadership at companies to confront the reality of, is my is my differentiation outdated? In other words, if I'm competing on, and I, I don't, you know, for example, I'm not sure Sears ever did this, right? <laughs> or, you know, or other companies that, you know, that have been, have been eaten up in, you know, what's, you know, what people call the retail apocalypse, right? I mean, what are you really differentiating on? And is it still relevant to your customer if it's just price and selection? And maybe convenience of delivery. Well, shoot. <laughs> I mean, <that's, laughs> you know, there's a, there's a big company out there that does that better than anybody else, world class. But hey, if you're okay, if you're REI, right? And you're, I love to use this example. I've used it for years. And and you know, I'm buying 
hiking boots, which is a, yeah, I mean, somewhat commodity product, I guess, you know, you can buy hiking boots a lot of places, but REI takes the next step of connecting with me as a customer. After the sale, they send me an email saying, hey, Brian, do you know you can use these in your, you know, local hills here, and here's a bunch of trails, and here's a bunch of other people, and what they said about those trails, and wow, you're connecting with me in a way that Amazon's not going to do that. You know, it's, it's a different, you know, it's a different level of connection. And I think if you look at the retailers, um, and this, less, these lessons I think would apply to distributors, if you look at those folks that are succeeding in this market, like an REI, there's, you know, they're doing things like that. It's not, it's not just about transaction and price. Uh, I think those, those companies are, are going to be um, going to have a hard time. Uh, in, in the future. Well, that's one of the things we always talk about when it comes to email marketing. Email marketing is kind of this one-way communication. You sign up, you send them an email, and then you hope they do something with it. Social is probably a little more of a two-way conversation where you can actually talk between brand and consumer. But that's the one thing where, let's use the REI example, right? They're selling on their website. You can walk into an REI store. They have a product line on Amazon, which I don't think they sell on Amazon, but let's just assume they do. From an email standpoint, if they that person goes to your website or they go into a store, you collect the email address, you can send a little more personal info like that follow-up. Hey, which we noticed you bought these these boots. Here's your area. Here's the the hiking trails that we we love in that general area. And you you cultivate that relationship. In some respects, you may still go to Amazon and buy gear, but you're now you're looking at brand versus the value-oriented consumer that maybe is looking for a lower price. They might buy your REI gear, but it's on Amazon now. So Amazon's going to credit your margins a little bit less, but you're still securing them from buying from your competitor. You're securing them from buying from Amazon products. That's right. Yep. I think there's a lot of maybe synergy, if it's the right word, but there's a lot of kind of nurturing with that customer that even if you're on Amazon, you can still do those things by focusing on your value props, which you talked about before as well. So I think it's a good point you made there. When we talk about kind of building this Amazon strategy, you mentioned, hey, first thing, Talk to your customers, figure out what your value props are, figure out what your differentiators are. When you're talking to customers, what are some of those things you should be asking? Is it really about what differentiates us? What do you like about our products? Or is there something else you're looking for to help you determine that Amazon strategy? Well, I think you have to start by dispelling your notions of what you think. What you think. I like to do this exercise where Let's lay, let's write down everything that we think our customers would say in, in, in these kinds of interviews or discussions. What do we think about our customers? And then let's find questions that challenge those assumptions. You know, the reason they buy from us is because we provide amazing customer service and get product to them in, you know, 12 hours from our distribution center or two hours or whatever it is. And how important is that really? And talk to the customer about it. So I think, I think it starts with understanding the assumptions you make. And, and then I think it's also about understanding how they're using digital, how they're using mobile, asking questions about what is their journey. I like to think about it as, you know, this is a classic kind of marketer's paradigm, which is, you know, how does someone discover you? Why do they select you? Why do they buy from you? Are they, what happens after the purchase? And then do they return, advocate, spread the word about you? And when you, one of the things you find, and this is why this thing called NPS is so powerful, which is Net Promoter Score. Do you know that, Greg? Are you familiar with that? Yep, absolutely. Right. So it's why it's so powerful is because some of the most successful brands in history uh, and companies in history have 
very high NPS scores. I mean, for example, we had a great one at Harbor Freight Tools. And it's because that marketing, that peer-to-peer marketing is just so, it's just so powerful. So understanding that journey all the way through to that last step and focusing in on that last step as well as are, are things that you want to uncover as you're talking to these, these customers. So I think it's a couple different, couple different things you want to, you want to look for. And my experience is when you're doing this effort, you need some folks working with you that, that are really good at this because it's easy to come up with a list of questions, right? But there's a whole, there's a real science to it. And I'm not an expert in this, by the way. I have folks that I know that I bring in that are, and, and it's amazing to watch them in action that, you know, how they come up with a sequence of questions, what they're trying to get out of it, and then how they interpret the results relative to everything else you've collected, like web analytics data and, you know, uh, survey data and uh, other things like that. So even, even, even in looking at and talking to internal folks, like, the sales associates or the sales team or the, you know, internal stakeholders who interact with customers. I'm not going to ask you about like detailed product description pages and things like that today, but I want to kind of follow up on something you said, you touched on it here and you said it earlier today about kind of figuring out, Hey, why do people love us so much and asking them? So you had posed this question to CEOs and, you know, people you advise. And when I was doing client consulting at Bronto, I used to ask one of the very first calls I would get on with someone is, you know, what sets you apart? Why would I buy from you and not your competitor? And it's funny because I would get some of the same things that you mentioned. It's like, oh, we have the best customer service. We have X, Y, and Z. And I would go to their website and look at their emails and none of that's actually listed there. <laughs> right. <laughs> There's nothing about like, hey, we have the best customer service. I'm like, these are your value props, but you're just assuming people know it. And I think the same thing holds true even if you have an Amazon strategy. Oh, yeah. And you're selling an Amazon, why not put these things into product listings and and kind of reinforce it on every single channel you have? So I think kind of writing those down and then hopefully confirming those, uh, it's a good way to go. You have a book that's coming out soon, which you mentioned before. I know the the first chapter of that, you have one of these things that says, hey, go to Amazon and search for product or your company. And you'll be amazed at what you find. I, I think it's a really interesting task an exercise for people to do. So say you are, whether you're on Amazon or not, you're, you're figuring out that strategy. Can you talk to, about that a minute and just kind of explain why that's important? Well, uh, yeah, absolutely, Greg. I mean, you know, I highlighted some stats at the beginning of our conversation related to the search volume that's that has dramatically and rapidly switched to Amazon from other channels, right? So 60, probably 65% of search, product search starting. So one of the, um, I, I want to call it fun, but it's not necessarily fun activities that I will often do is sit with a you know CEO or owner of a company and on Amazon and 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 do a search for their brand name or product. And in many cases, uh, you know, kind of watch the look of horror on their face as they look at the, <laughs> <laughs> their products show up. I mean, gosh, I was talking to a major producer. It's a brand household brand name of food product uh, just last week. And it's you know that they, they make cheese products, right? So cheese, you know, you know, cheese is a perishable, but Amazon's getting into these businesses. And oh my goodness, I mean the, the product images that showed up, the pricing, the who are these people selling my product? It, you know, the lack of product information, lack of nutritional information, and just awful. I mean, the, the cheese looked moldy. <laughs> it was awful, <laughs> right? So, so uh, finally okay. aged. Yeah, right. Exactly, right. <laughs> so, give me a good bottle of wine. The uh, but the funny, th- you know, it's not necessarily funny. It's it, in some ways, it's a wake up call, right? Because a lot of companies don't realize that that this search volume has shifted, 
so dramatically, so quickly, and now it's and 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 they're shocked to see how poorly their brands are represented, and it's because it's caught them by surprise, and they haven't taken control of the channel for their brand, and uh, whether you're whatever kind of brand you are, and so you know you've got rogue sort of with rogue quote unquote sellers up there, which are third party sellers, kind of to take control, and if you've got a brand, guess what? Amazon, the universe of Amazon sellers is going to take control for you in a sense, and present things that are not uh, really in line with those value propositions you described, at, you know, but even more basic than that, not even show good images of your product uh, and not give you any presence. It's the number one search engine in the United States, by far and away. And, and so you, you know, if you're a marketer and people have shifted their, their behaviors to digital channels for researching product, don't you think it's part of your responsibility to make sure you're showing up there at least in some way in a very good way, right? So I challenge folks to, with that simple exercise, to do that for yourself. Do it for your own brand products, regardless of the kind of company you are, and uh, and clean it up. If you want to continue to be a, a well-regarded brand, uh, you've got to go where, where the customer is uh, searching and and at least have a minimal presence there to present your brand well. That's, that's my view. Yeah, it, it's scary that uh, a platform that as a marketplace can be used as a reputation management tool nowadays. Yeah, right, exactly. I know. It's, it, it really has become that in a lot of ways. And, you know, Greg, you, know, uh, Greg uh, you can, you know, brands can set up now brand pages on Amazon. There's a whole bunch of things that, you know, brands can do that they didn't used to be able to do. And, and it's really Amazon trying to accommodate. I mean, they're, they're trying to go up market. They're trying to... You know, do things with, say, for example, fashion, uh, where they, you know, they, they allow brands more to portray their story in a more compelling way. I, I, I like to do this little exercise where I'll show a slide. You know, when I'm, when I'm speaking at conferences and such, I'll, I'll show a slide of a screenshot and say, how many people think this site is on Amazon, this page, and then how many don't? Usually, two or three people raise their hands thinking it's on Amazon out of you know whatever, hundred or fifty or whatever. And it is on Amazon, but people, when I drop out the Amazon header, people don't know it because they've tried to, you know, really accommodate that brand storytelling uh, to the greatest extent, you know, possible and, and to attract some more, you know, sort of household brands and higher end brands to the platform. That's very cool. So, Brian, one more question. Well, I got a couple more questions, but I know you've got a meeting in a short little while. So I want to give you a little bit of time <laughs> uh, for there just for a time. Sure, go purposes. ahead. So let's look at when you're looking at your Amazon strategy and you decide it is really not a good fit to be on Amazon, whether it's you know lack of competition, ruining your brand name or tarnishing your brand name, or it just doesn't make sense from a margin standpoint. Are there any key indicators that you look at to really help a company say, you know what? not right for us. Let's just focus on what we do outside of Amazon. Yeah, sure. So I think, um, you know, coming back to that question of what you're best in the world at, I think looking at your, your product and understanding, you know, what you're selling. Is Amazon already in your business? Are they likely to go into your business, meaning private label versions of your product? You know, that's one cut to think about and making that assessment. Two, if you're doing something really unique, I like to talk about, you know, sort of Digitally native vertical brands, the NVBs, right? These are companies like uh, Tuft and Needle and Sattva and Purple and Bonobos and Warby Parker. A lot of these companies are doing some very unique things and business models, and and sometimes those lines those don't align that well with with Amazon. 
Oh, interestingly, a bunch of them have an Amazon store. (laughs) 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 So they're not naive to the fact that a lot of search happens there. And so, you know, I think, so checking the box on, uh, you you know, what your, what your competitive advantages are and, uh, and also, you know, kind of just studying them. And I think understanding also your competitors there and, you know, and, and understanding the, the, the landscape and, and, and your customer, right? So is your customer buying there uh, and why are they buying there? And frankly, those are things that you can go into in your own customer research about their their feelings on on Amazon and what they buy there and why they buy there. And, and, and so I think you got to look at it with multiple, you know, multiple cuts, your product, your customer, your competitor, your business model, and then make a decision you're not going to prevent Amazon from going into your business, though. If if you have a uh, a big market, um, they're going to be in it in some way. If you're if you're a product uh, seller of some kind, I don't think that argument works. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think it's a good way to cap up the uh, the business part of this conversation today. Anything you want someone to really just hone in on, take away from the conversation? I just say, at minimum, number one, you need an Amazon strategy, and I think at minimum, you need to understand, even if you're not selling there, what uh, Amazon's doing and how they're setting the expectation. You know, steal from them in terms of their, uh, you know, how they're delivering a customer experience uh, in terms of navigation and search and how they're using email, right? And really how they're using every aspect of digital. And so I think, you know, that's something that companies need to do, even if they don't sell there. So I just wanted to mention that as a key takeaway as well. Excellent. Appreciate that. Brian, you know me, we got a couple minutes left before I let you get out of here and, and breathe for a minute before your meeting. So you know me and game show questions. I, I love them. So, uh, but I teased this earlier. What's your favorite? You're in the LA area. What's your yep. favorite restaurant in, in LA? Oh man, that's a tough one. Cause there's a bunch of really good ones here. Uh, you know, I love, um, I'm a steak guy, right? I love, I love filet as my wife will tell you. And, um, so I have to I have to say the the Flemings, uh, even though it's uh, you know it's a bit of a chain, but I think they do a really good job. Uh, and there's one here in Pasadena. I really I just love it. I mean, we go there for you know, birthdays and stuff, and just really enjoy it. So there you go. I, I have no no commission or no referral agreement with Flemings, but I like them. <laughs> Excellent. If anyone sees Brian out there, he'll gladly take your free meal. <laughs> so Brian, what's uh, what's your favorite thing about what you do? Oh man, I just I love the change. I love the evolution. I, I it's challenging. I got into this career twenty years ago, e-commerce, and I love the fact that it's constantly evolving, challenging, intellectual, um, but also involves you know people. And so I think I think the change is really exciting to me. It's constantly challenging to me, and that's that's probably my favorite part of of this of this business. Excellent. Is a, is a hot dog a sandwich? <sighs> yes, it has bread and meat. It's a sandwich. Is meat really necessary here? Because peanut butter and jelly, right? That's a sandwich, but there's no meat in there. Is it? Are we really just looking at like two pieces of bread? Well, let's just call it protein then. Okay. <laughs> that works. So, I, and I guess a honey sandwich doesn't qualify. So, oh well. <laughs> I, I, it's a good question, actually. I answered uh, reflexively. <laughs> That's funny, Greg. So, I like that one. Go ahead. So, I, I've told this story on the podcast before, but a while ago, I was in uh, I was in Charlotte visiting a couple of really close friends of mine, and we're having a couple pops at night, and we started talking about this. And, you know, everyone's whipping out their phones and Googling definitions. And then what about this? And pretty much we came to the decision just based on all these definitions that if there is a piece of, of wheat or any sort of bread substance, 
doesn't matter if it's closed or not. It's yeah. a sandwich. So we're like, well, a pizza's a sandwich and all these things. It, you know, you, you can just imagine how that night went. Uh, <laughs> I'll bet. Pizza doesn't qualify, man. Come on. I guess you could fold it over. You know, no, it's an open face sandwich, right? I guess so. <laughs> it works. <laughs> I don't know these things. So quick update for you. We spoke, I don't know, almost two years ago now in episode. Why is it that long ago? Wow. Jeez, yeah. It's crazy. Wow. So I, I am now a Prime member. As of about six months ago, I was not a Prime member before. Congratulations. Welcome Thank to, you. The, to the, I guess, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> I am too. As are I'm 100 into, million uh, households. Yeah, go ahead. I'm into, uh, I'm an e-commerce analyst who's finally doing e-commerce from a, a Prime membership standpoint. So it, last thing before I get you out of here, Brian, I mentioned to you two years ago that no one will ever ask you that question again and not to worry, but I'm going to go ahead and ask you again. So I'm going to give you 15 seconds, Brian. Why don't you name as many fish as you can? Oh man, I don't know. Go. Uh, I, uh, tilapia, uh, bass, Pisces. Pisces? No, that's a. <laughs> that's my. That's my birth sign. Uh, it's a fish. Oh, uh, salmon. Salmon's a fish. Shark uh, is uh, is a uh, 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 octopus. Uh, uh, time's up. Uh, shoot, <laughs> that was terrible. So that was terrible. You got six this time, but you got nine last time. If you think about it, that's crazy. You mentioned tilapia last time. You said, I don't know if it's a fish, but it's delicious. That's funny. <laughs> love it. Love it. You love tilapia. I do. All right. So Brian, we'll have contact info in the episode description for how to contact you. If someone does want to reach out, what's the best way for them to get a hold of you? Oh boy. They can email me. It's a great way to get me. You can send that to my Enciba email. It's Brian, B-R-I-A-N at Enciba, E-N-C-E-I-B-A.com, E-N-C-E-I-B-A.com. You can also um, uh, go to my website for the book and sign up for when that book is going to be released. I think you're going to put that on the uh, on the on the link there, but it's billion dollar b two b e commerce dot com. That's the number two in the middle there. Billion dollar b two b e commerce dot com. And uh, yeah, I'd love to hear from you if this stuff. Uh, if you need help with Amazon or your b two b business, that's my uh, my focus these days. Awesome. Thanks for your time, Brian, today. Thanks for the conversation. I appreciate it. To those listening, especially our listener of the week, Marcus from San Jose, thanks for tuning in. If you want to be a listener of the week, let me know you've tuned in. And if you're interested in telling your e-commerce story, I would love to hear from you as well. Hope you enjoyed the episode. Until next time, have a great day and be kind to one another.